The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from my house and from many other places around the world today. Uh, we're very excited to be here with you and be able to be in this format live. It is Thursday. The date is September 3rd, 2020, if you're keeping track. And I'm saying hello to all of you and reminding you that while we're live for the next hour, my greatest joy is when you guys write in. And that is the absolute truth. Uh, we love it when you guys write in, whether it's just to say hi and count yourself as being present or to you know, suggest topics that you want on the show or to ask a question of our guests. So we wanna remind you there's lots of different ways to participate. If you're watching us live right now, you're either watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, or our homepage, autism-live.com. Almost all of those ways have a way to communicate with us. But I will tell you that the quickest, most efficient way right now in the current format today, as things are today, is YouTube or Facebook. Uh, you can write into us on our homepage, autism-live.com, but it, I, it's hard for me to get at them live today. So I can get them long-term, but live is a little bit harder. Uh, so, oh, and I, Traven reminded me that uh, there's another way that you can be watching us. If you are in the New York City metro area, you can be watching us on Bronxnet TV on Tuesdays at 8.30. I believe that's 8.30 p.m. Is, uh, Eastern time, is that correct? Or is that 8.30 a.m.? Look at how bad of a host I am. I don't even know. It's p.m. 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday nights, you can be um, watching our show as well. We're very excited to be on Brockset. We also are recorded uh, and podcast on a lot of different sites. You can be uh, getting our, our free download of our podcast on iTunes. It is uh, available to you in, you know, um, the format in which you're probably watching right now, so you can get the sound and the video or you can get just the audio podcast. Here, all, look at all these places that we are. We've been promising you that we are gonna be on some new places and I see that they, there are some new places listed. Uh, and then we got a couple more that are coming up as well. This is very awesome. I've never seen this before, Draven, so this is really exciting. So on the, on the left side, you see the places where we are live. On the right side, you can see all the places that in addition to those that we podcast to, because you can watch our record recordings on YouTube and Facebook and all those other places. But look at that, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Ghana, I don't even, I, I need to know more about Ghana. Uh, Amazon Music, this is one of the new ones we've been promising you, Audible and Deezer, check us out. And we are free in all of those locations. So if there is a place that you listen to podcasts and we aren't there, please let us know. Because the only reason why we aren't there, it's one of two things. Either it costs you money, and we just, we are trying to avoid that being at a cost to our um, listeners and viewers, um, or it's that we just don't know about it. So please teach us, build us up. We want to be there. Hey, I want to remind you that wherever you watch us, please tell other people. We, if you watch the show, you know, we don't spend money on marketing. We just don't. Uh, we count on grassroots marketing. So like us, follow us, subscribe, review us, and share us, start a watch party, tell other people, uh, you know, if there's somebody that you really think needs to be watching the show, you can post their name in the comments and that links to them, I guess. I'm not the social media expert. Uh, but um, 
Oh, so, uh, excuse me, Ghana is a popular podcast platform in India. So uh, we are excited to be there as well. So thrilled, thrilled, thrilled uh, to be here with all of you guys. And um, let us know what kind of programming you want, because we always... We're at that time of year and we are um, enjoying our 10th anniversary of being on the air this month. Uh, and it's time to, you know, strike out and try some new things. So tell us what you want uh, and write in and let us know how you're feeling and, you know, whatever, whatever you got going on. We're at safe place here. Okay. Having said all of that, uh, I, I want to remind you that we have lots of experts that are here on the show on a daily basis. I'm not one of them. I'm a mom. My son was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half, and he's doing remarkably well because, not because I was super duper smart, not because we had money, because that, neither one of those things are true, right? Uh, we got very lucky. But once we got lunky, lucky and we got, we got lunky too, but once we got lucky and lunky, we learned and we did and we were persistent. And I do think that that's part of the recipe for success. But I want you to start by being lucky and lunky by getting the information. That's why I'm here. That's why it's important to me. That's why it's personal to me to share the information. It's not one size fits all. You have to take what applies to you, what, what like makes your heart beat a little bit faster and leave the rest. Uh, it may apply to you later on. It may never apply to you, right? But um, it is not one size fits all. But write in, let us know. But don't count me as an expert. Think of me as someone who is your cheerleader, that's on your side, that wants you to succeed. And when I say you, I'm talking to that really large autism community that starts with individuals on the spectrum, right? They are at the heart of everything that we do here and everything, you know, they're at the heart of my life, right? And I think most of you, because the, we're including then with that everybody who loves them, right? I'm very much in that category. I love many people who are on the autism spectrum, not just my son. And we want for them all the things that we should want for them. Dignity, respect, support, opportunities, the ability to love who they love and to be able to sort that part of the equation out to get the education that they deserve and, and is theirs, is their right, right? To be able to get employment, come on. I mean, like the list is long. Um, but for all of us, everybody has different needs. Everybody has different opinions. Everybody has different wants, right? But I do think that when we find the thing that connects us, which is that we love individuals who are on the autism spectrum and feel that they deserve the rights that are that really are theirs, but sometimes we have to fight for them. Uh, then I think we're we're cooking with gas, right? Uh, and that's what I want to do is be here and help us to get that much further. Okay, so uh, with that in mind, we like to start every Thursday morning with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. Now I know you're thinking, why? Why would we want to do that? <laughs> because the jargon is so overwhelming, right? You hear these terms and you go. Why do I have to learn this? Why don't they just put it in a language that we can all understand, right? Um, but I learned a long time ago that if you make friends with these terms, what it does is it helps you save time and money. So instead of making you memorize all of them, who can do who's got time to do that, right? Unless you're going to school, in which case, hopefully you do. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, we take them one at a time, see if we give, first we give you the actual definition, which we make fun of then whenever we can. And then we move on to the working definition and try to give it in context, not so that you'll absolutely get it that time because a lot of times you won't, but you, you'll at least get a glimmer of it and go, I don't really get it, but that's okay. It's okay. And as you move through your life and the days go by, then something's gonna happen and you go, that, that is that thing they were talking about on Autism Life. I sort of get it a little bit more. And then the next time you get it a little bit more until someday, you just find yourself using terms like variable interval reinforcement. And that is when you know you've gone over to the dark side. Uh, <laughs> I've never just used the word variable interval reinforcement in a sentence. Not yet anyway, but I suppose it could be coming. Just, you know, to, trippingly off my tongue. Okay, so we've been talking about schedules of reinforcement. So reinforcement, remember, is something that helps to ensure that a behavior happens more often. More often. Um, cause that's what we want. If we're teaching a child to tie their own shoes, 
then we want that to happen more often, not just once, right? We want that to become a regular habit, a skill that they have and can keep that is theirs, right? So um, we don't wanna constantly reinforce, right? We do in the beginning, but then later on, we are very mindful about how we reinforce um, and sometimes we put it on a schedule. So we've talked about uh, several different ways. Now we're at variable interval reinforcement. Let's take a look at what the actual definition is, shall we? And then we will promptly want to beat our heads against a wall. Let's take a look. Variable interval reinforcement. In operant conditioning, we're already cooked, right? A variable interval schedule is a schedule of reinforcement where a response is rewarded after an unpredictable amount of time has passed, which is the opposite of a fixed interval. So in a fixed interval, we, we, we know every time five minutes passes, we're gonna give the reinforcement, right? A variable, well, all right, let's move on to our working definition because I'm getting ahead of myself. So this you go, uh, if I don't know what, what, a, what a variable interval is, then I don't know what a fixed interval is, right? So let's take a look. So it's reinforcement that happens unpredictably, but often enough to keep the behavior happening. So if we're on a fixed interval reinforcement, as I was saying, every five, we say, okay, every five minutes, we're going to give reinforcement. And I, and I sort of talked about this on Monday. Uh, and I was saying about how, you know, in a classroom, because I used to be a classroom teacher. And you'd have a kiddo and a lot of times, we always look at what the function of the behavior is. And a lot of times in a classroom, the function of the behavior, not always, but a lot of times it's attention. I always thought of my students as empty buckets, that they would come in and they were empty to different degrees, right? Some kids would come in and uh, I gotta admit that I absolutely love teaching and I absolutely love these kinds of kids because I got it, right? Kid would come in and he would just be in all kinds of trouble, right? And, and I'm saying he, because I'm thinking of one student in particular, but sometimes it's a girl too. They just like, you turn around for a second and they are up to mischief, right? Uh, and crazy stuff, like crazy, crazy, crazy stuff and fast, right? And the, the reason why I love those kids is because when you understand what the need is and you feed the need, these kids flourish. These kids just go, whoo, and everybody goes, I don't know what you did with that kiddo. Um, I gave them some attention on a regular basis. And what you do, you start, you, you know, you take a baseline, like how long can I turn around for two seconds and this kiddo is there so I know it's a one second thing. And that is when you take and you move your desk by theirs or their desk by yours, or, or you teach directly on their desk. I have done that before you know, put them in the middle of the room and done like, you know, theater in the round teaching where I've set up my teaching materials so that I'm going to teach directly from their desk because it gives you, you're constantly giving them that attention in the beginning. So that's your, your, your constant reinforcement schedule that if you're right there and you're, and you're, you're looking at them constantly and you know, you've got your hand on their desk uh, your hand on their book or whatever, and you're, you know, depending on the situation, not in COVID, but sometimes you, you know, you have your hand on their, their arm and you're give, telling them you're doing a good job, right? You're giving them a sticker, whatever, you're right, right there, right? That's not going to be the rest of your life. That's not going to be the rest of that kiddo's life. So eventually you go into this fixed interval where you say, okay, so they, they can last now 30 seconds. So every 30 seconds, I'm going to give this kiddo Praise. I'm going to give them a sticker. I'm going to give them eye contact every 30 seconds. And it's exhausting. It's not nearly as exhausting as having to try to get the whole class back on track after the kid takes you off track, right? But then eventually we, we bring that up to 40 seconds and 50 seconds. And now we get up to a minute and now we're at two minutes. And now I can move and I put my materials on the desk next to them right? And now I'm getting further and further away from them. And before we're done, I'm at a variable interval reinforcement where sometimes, you know, I, I, and I, and as a teacher, I had a watch that I could set the timer and it would buzz me so that I would know I wouldn't have to keep track of it, but it would buzz and I would know, okay, it's time to give that reinforcement to this little customer. Um, not so little, he was in ninth grade. 
but you know what I'm saying? So uh, after a period of time, you know, so some, some days I would set it at five minutes and some days I would set it at seven minutes and some days I would set it at 20 minutes and we'd take data on it and see how is he doing? And this kid flourished, flourished. So um, we can do this in the home too. The reason why I wanted to talk about the interval reinforcements is that a lot of times you guys write in and you say, oh, you know, I, I just, is this going to be the rest of my life? It's not. And I wanted you to see that there, there are plans and there are names for them. Um, so variable interval, it's based on a, a certain amount of time, but it's totally random at this point. Okay. At some point, we'll go back over the four so that you can see the difference between the four. But here, but they're here and they'll exist on our channel for now. All right, moving on. We always have a question of the day for you. Uh, and the question is, what is the best part about a three-day weekend? Because we're coming up on a three-day weekend, right? And I know that this is like a double-edged sword for you guys because um, I remember when my son was in the, in, the, in the days of autism where he was struggling and when we were in intensive early intervention and our whole lives worked around the intervention and all I wanted at that time was normalcy. Like, why can't we be like other people? Why can't we have a day off? Like, what would that be like? A day off, right? And then um, a holiday would come around and I would think, oh, this is so great. Cause I would react like my old self and be like, a holiday, we're gonna get a day off, right? Um, and then it doesn't work out that way because you don't have services. And so the schedule falls apart and your kiddo falls apart, right? Um, and it took me a really long time to learn that for my kiddo, everybody's different, but for my kiddo, I needed to have things planned on those days, especially so that it wasn't a day off, that we could go on an outing and go do something for part of a day or have an activity planned in the morning and then we could take the rest of the day off. That was the formula I found for us. And once I found that, then we could enjoy a three-day weekend um, if I had that planned. I have to say that even where my life is now, and I have so many friends and my life is so full and my son has friends and my husband has friends and we know all these people, because for essentially, you know, a good six years, we sort of dropped out of being at the sort of normal things. It's, it's always still a little bit of a thing for me that we don't, people don't invite us to do things on the weekend. Still, still, I'm just putting that out there because I know that some of you feel that way. And, and I want to say that it has persisted in our lives, even after you know, people will say to me over 4th of July, so what are you doing? Are you getting together with friends? And I'm like, well, no, we never get included in that. And sometimes we have something and, um, and invite people, not in COVID, um, but yeah, we're not, like, we're not on anybody's list to do holiday things with. So we have to function like a three. And, and I kind of made my peace with that um, and found the, the peace in it um, that it's time that we get to do something as three. And, and sometimes for us, that means not doing anything now because for years, that wasn't an option. But I wanna know from you, for you guys, wherever you are on this journey, what's the best part for you about a three-day weekend? What, um, is there something in it for you or something in it for you as a family? Would love to know about that. Uh, okay, moving on. We always have a topic of the week. And if you were watching earlier in the week, our topic this week is about labor versus passion because it is Labor Day uh, on Monday here in the U.S. And, um, and I think we're doing a Temple Grandin Marathon, but I, I, Trayvon, I'm not 100% sure. We have our production meeting today, and I, I haven't asked you about that, but I'm pretty sure on Monday uh, we're going to be doing our Temple Grandin Marathon. And let me not forget to tell you guys that Temple Grandin is going to be with us live on September 15th. I talked to her two days ago, and so she's going to be live with us on September 15th. It was just her birthday a couple of days ago, and she was telling me that she'd gone to fly a kite how awesome is that? 
Uh, but so she'll be with us on uh, September 15th, which is really cool. That's my birthday. And I said to her, I said, you know, we were trying to decide which day she would come. She said, well, I could do this or I could do the 15th. And I was like, well, the 15th is my birthday. And that would be a great birthday present for me to have you on the show. And she was like, well, that's the day we're going to do it then. So that was really fun. Um, but, but back to Labor Day, um, it's supposed to be a holiday when people who work take off. It's a little poignant this year, right? Because many people are out of work. Um, and other people who have been laboring, who are essential workers, who have not had a break, I'm not 100% sure they're going to get a break on Monday because essential workers don't get a break on Labor Day. So, uh, you know, it's an it's a interesting holiday this year. Uh, but it gave rise to me the difference between talking about when are you working and when is it passion? Because right now you might be in an intervention with your kiddo and it feels like labor. And what the question that I have for you is what would make it so that you just felt passionate about it? Because in those early days, when I was like, I just want something that's normal. Uh, I just, ah, I, you know, why can't we have the normalcy, right? I used to throw tantrums and, and literally be so mad. I would throw something and go, why is our life this way? Why can't we just have the normal, right? And a day came when it shifted and it was subtle. I don't know whether it came over a period of time, but I was terrified of it ending. To be honest, I was like, this is how our life works. My son is learning and he's growing and I don't want it to end. And as we got to the point where we were finishing our card services and they, you know, they give you a six month warning. They go, our, it is our plan. We think your child is six months away from being done. And it is our plan to remove ourselves from your day-to-day -day lives. And you go, oh, what do you mean, right? And I realized, oh my gosh, you know, it's become a part of my life. Um, what am I going to do? In my case, I decided to come work for card, but <laughs> I don't think that's what everybody wants to do. Um, but I realized it was my passion. It was my passion to get my kiddo the help that he needed. And it was my passion to make sure that others got it. Um, it had stopped being work and it had turned into a passion. And I do think that that was helpful to my kiddo. Um, but I want to ask you, what are you laboring at and what are you passionate about? Hmm, think about that. Somebody has written in and said the Ed Asner Museum. Now, I know that at the Ed Asner Center that they have a growing showcase of things. You know, there's one of uh, Ed's Emmys, um, are, you know, and there's other artifacts of Ed's life that are there. I'm wondering, is that what you're talking about? Uh, or is there a, a plan for the Ed Asner Museum, which would be super kind of cool? And wouldn't it be fun that we could have people who are on the spectrum being the, the docents who take people through and show them that I'm, I'm feeling something there. That's pretty exciting. Uh, I think we have to make a phone call to some people over at the Ed Asner Family Center, see if that's what's in the works. Or are you just dreaming? Because I like your dream. Uh, okay, I'm saying hello to Juanita. I'm saying hello to Nasser. I'm saying hi to Live and Learn Joy. I have an autistic twin son. He's nonverbal. Uh, wasn't always autistic. Developed brain issues after his MMR vaccine and an extreme high fever. And I am so sorry to hear that. And I'm wondering if you have a question. Um, and I would love to uh, you know, hear more. So uh, I also wanna tell you, we've got a great guest who I believe is already, uh, or is about to join us. Um, our guest this morning is Nicole Donovan. She is an author, a mom, and uh, she's the author of a new book that just came out in July. It is called A Life Suspended, but the subtitle is A Mother and Son's Story of Autism, Extinction Bursts, and Living a Resilient Life. Uh, and she has a very interesting background, uh, was a Montessori teacher, and I'm going to wait and let her tell, but I guess she is not here yet. Is that right, uh, Traven, or am I, I'm just not seeing her. Oh, she is there. Uh, so let's welcome her to the show right now, Nicole Donovan. Nicole, I think you can hear me, but we can't. There you are. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm well. 
So I was just saying that your book, which is just out uh, as of July, it's called A Life Suspended. It's a mother and son story of autism, extinction bursts, and living a resilient life. And I was telling them just a little bit about you, that you were a Montessori teacher, which I think is a pretty interesting uh, point of view, first of all, uh, especially where we are right now in things. Uh, but um, this is a a really interesting book and I think something that a lot of people will relate to. What inspired you to write this memoir? I felt inspired, you know, to write this memoir because when we were going through the thick of like putting behavioral interventions in place in our home, my son was expelled from school, his behaviors were explosive, and we were just like gripping on for dear life really. And I felt like during those times, I reached out for story. I reached out for other people that had been there. I couldn't make it to support groups. They were at times where I couldn't make it. And podcasts, I don't even think I knew that they existed at that point because it was like seven, eight years ago. And so I basically wrote the story I wanted to hear because as the years have gone on, I've heard from so many people that have said to me, you know, my, we're going through the same thing or my daughter's going through the same thing with her child. And, and I knew that this story could really provide comfort, maybe healing, certainly some education for people, extended family, even educators. So that was what inspired me. Wonderful. And, you know, uh, we want to talk briefly about where people can get the book because it is available now. Where can they find it? They can find it on Amazon. Um, you know, I'm searchable, Nicole Donovan and uh, A Life Suspended. Or they can order it through Ingram Spark, which is another um, print and distribution site. Okay. Um, and I do think um, anybody reading it, you know, you'll, you're going to see yourself time and time again in the pages. I think you are very... Uh, a really eloquent writer and you don't mince words. It's very honest, Nicole. And um, even in the, I, I don't, I never like to give away too much because I want people to read the book, but right from the jump, I mean, from page one, we are with you as you have been called at work while you're trying to teach and told that your child uh, has eloped from school and it's not the first time. And from the car ride over to the conversation that you have with the people at school, I was just was so struck because you describe in great detail about people walking by and not making eye contact with you and all of the feelings, the inner monologue that you're going through, which I think any parent of a kiddo on the spectrum, the, the, you know, the full array of emotions that you feel from being you know, feeling guilty and ashamed to being mad that like, you know, you weren't there and your child did something and here these crazy people are asking you questions as if you somehow had control over that. I, I just think it's a really honest, honest portrayal of what it feels like on the inside for a parent. So congratulations on that. Uh, what, talk to us a little bit about now having been on this journey for a while, how old is your son now? He's in high school. So, okay. yeah. So, so you've got quite a bit of experience here. Tell us, you know, what do you think is the common misconception about autism? I know for me, you know, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm a trained Montessori teacher. I have experience with um, young kids. That was my profession for a lot of years. And my own misconception is that I knew that Jack wasn't developing. Typically, we had literally a file box full of evaluations but we didn't have the key, we didn't have the piece. And, um, and so what I didn't understand was that, you know, I'd go to, <laughs> I'd go to the parent-teacher conferences with his integrated preschool and they'd say, geez, you know, Jack's like the mayor, he's out there, he's gathering people, you know, he's, he's in the middle of it, the thick of things. And I'm like, this is who he is, this is how he has always been. So I kept coming back to that, like, well, he can't have autism if he's so social and craves to have people around him. And then what I didn't realize is that it's a spectrum. Like, so he had, although he was gathering all these people, he was like bossy, he was rigid, he was dictating where they should go and what they should do because he didn't know how to communicate correctly. Uh, you know, yeah. 
so it was just interesting for me that like, oh, it was such a, an awareness that I had. And I know that I wasn't alone in that because even, you know, other people that were working with him didn't, didn't see it right away. Yeah. And we should, I mean, I think people can glean for that. Your, your son is uh, one of the, I hate the term, but you know, uh, that we use it. Um, he's considered more high functioning. Um, but a lot of times, and part of why I hate that term is because a lot of times people look at someone who has skills and they assume they're, they're not on the spectrum, they don't need support, and nothing could be further from the truth. He needed support in order to be able to access the things. Smart, smart kid and the ability to speak, as you said, he was bossing everybody around, but to really be able to access the parts of life that he wanted for him and that you would want for him, he was gonna need some help and support. And I think that those kiddos get overlooked sometimes. Do you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting, our, our um, educational advocate, she was the first person that ever gave me the term um, invisible disability. And for Jack, that's just such a good example that, you know, so other people looking at him would say, oh, he's just domineering or, oh, he's, he's bossy, when really he lacks skills of how to communicate correctly and to play, play with the other kids, so. You talk about in the book um, healing from trauma, and I think that this is a topic that a lot of families with someone on the spectrum, this is a conversation that people are just starting to have. Talk a little bit about that. What do you mean by that, and, and what, how did that manifest for you? Well, for me, you know, managing Jack, and it was such an elevated um, time where he was so behavioral, and like I was just, you know, literally treading, treading water, just trying to keep my head afloat. And as he got more regulated and, and things came together for him, the programming in our home and all of that, I started having panic attacks. And, I, I, and they came out of nowhere and I didn't understand, A, that's what that was, and B, that, um, that it could happen when I was having a cup of coffee, not feeling stressed, just having a conversation with a friend of mine, not even talking about Jack, and all of a sudden, it took over. And I thought I was having a heart attack. I didn't know. And I think that, um, and then out of that, I came and uh, started working with a therapist and got my own mental health, um, you know, focus on that as he was doing his thing, I was doing my thing. And, and um, what I didn't, what, what came out of that is that she diagnosed with me with um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was like, but I'm not, this, that, or whatever, you know, what you classically think of as people having post-traumatic stress disorder. And what I've come to realize after being out of that situation for a number of years now and heal, doing my own healing around that is that so many, so many people that are doing care with their children and at home, especially now, I mean, we are at home with our kids and some kids are not getting the services. So their, their whole regulation systems are out of whack because they're not getting what they need. They're not getting the support. So I think, man, you know, we need to bring a, a light to this that it happens, it happens. Stress happens, panic attack, they happen. And for us to be able to give ourselves that, that time to heal and address and speak up and say, it is real, it, it does happen. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that as more people like you bravely come forward and say, hey, this was my reaction to this, I think it allows for other people to admit that, I mean, I certainly talk about this on the show all the time. I had panic attacks too. And I, I mean, they've done studies now showing that parents of special needs kids have the equivalent amount of stress as people in combat. Now I know like I, I know and love many self-advocates who are offended by this. And, and the thing that I always like to say to them is I, it isn't just, and in fact, I think it's rarely the child and what the child is going through that causes that stress. My supposition is that it's everything you have to do to help your child. All the hoops you have to jump through, all the ignorant people you have to talk to, all the fighting you have to do for the, the resources, like for me, that is what caused most of the stress. 
you say something in your book that is so that like just so resonated with me that that there was a moment that you realized that it wasn't just that you were going to be his mom and that these were the things going on with him that you had to be the caseworker and that you didn't feel qualified and that I was like oh my gosh isn't that the core truth of of this whole thing but all of a sudden we're thrust into this role that nobody got trained in um what do you think do you feel like that that's where a lot of your uh your ptsd came from yeah i think so i I think that's definitely part of it is just feeling ill-equipped to navigate all of these things and then realizing oh I'm the hub of all of this. Like I have to connect with all of these people, making sure that everybody's on Jack's behavior plan, that everybody's doing what their part, because it's, you know, they have caseloads, they have kids that they're dealing with, you know? And I get that as a teacher, as an educator, I get that. But I, my job is Jack, my job is him. So I'm going to track all of these, you know, these um, arms. We lost her for a second here. Hopefully coming she'll together come for his best care. So absolutely. Oh, so you froze, um, yeah, you froze for my... a second. It's okay. It's all right. It so happens. It happens. You know, Zoom. <laughs> yes. Life. Uh, absolutely life. But you were able to negotiate all of it. You were able to figure all of that out. And so if, you know, now that you're at this place where I'm sure this feels weird to you, but you're, you're a veteran. And people look to you for answers. So what would you say to that young mom self or to a new mom um, now knowing what you know? What advice would you give? I would tell my younger self, (laughs) I would tell them to stop, drop, and breathe. Because I think for so long, especially when everything was going on with Jack, there's this idea that or this perception that I had, like, I just wanted to do everything right. And I wanted to make sure I was doing all that I could, of course, to make sure he was for his benefit, his betterment. And so I was always tracking his mood and what he was eating and all the aspects of Jack that, you know, and so that hyper focus on him. And I lost myself, you know, there was no Nicole, it was just Jack. And so I found that it's not a sprint, you know, we're in this marathon. It's where he's connected to me for a very, very long time and there's no race about it. And I think that that's what the anxiety does. It just, you know, it's like, oh, I have to do everything right. And I I wanna be the best I can be for him. But if I wasn't taking care of me, then I couldn't be the best for him. So I always say, you know, stop, drop and breathe. And remember, it is a marathon. Absolutely. And, and I, I, as soon as I saw the title of your book, A Life Suspended, I was like, oh, I totally, I totally get it. Um, but I, what I find interesting is that a lot of times, uh, you know, when you talk to a, a parent of a child on the autism spectrum, it's almost like you, you want to find out like what phase that they're in. And I, and I think of, you know, there's the early phase where they're just overwhelmed. Then there's like this transition phase. But for a lot of people, they're past the transition phase, I I call it the promised land, we get to a place of rediscovery. And you say that this life suspended enabled you to find your voice. Talk to us about that. How did that happen? Yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, when when I decided, I knew like a year out of our situation when I started to feel better and I was getting my own, my own situation you know, betterments of health and Jack was feeling good and and in a program, I knew I needed to write the story. So just the process of writing the story helped me find my voice. The process of being his advocate helped me find my voice. And then the process of publishing it helped me find my voice. So it's like then all of these different um, chapters in my life that has actually brought me to strengthen my my voice, my opinions, that I have worth, that I can, what, what I say matters. And it doesn't necessarily matter what other people think. So that's another lesson that I've been learning. Like people can have their opinions and that's great, but what is okay for me? What is right in my heart? What is my truth? And what am I carrying forward? 
So this was really just an offering for other families. This was my experience. And so I think by allowing myself that time to be able to bring this forward, there has been so many ways that I have strengthened my voice. In that there you process. go. I love years ago, we had a dad on who uh, had written a children's book and he said, and I loved the quote, he said, I didn't find my voice until my child didn't have one. And, and I was like, oh, wow, that like that, it's like pressing on a bruise, right? Um, and of course, you know, and, and you know, then our children find their voices too. You've got a high school student, I'm sure that he is finding his voice as well. Uh, and is, and what, because I have a high school student now too. Um, and I don't know about you, but that is just a full on trip to hear his view of the world is, is all I ever wanted when he was little. Uh, are, are you excited about where you guys are? Yeah, I am. I'm really excited, you know, to, to be able to watch his resilience and how he's grown into this person. He loves school. He loves to, he loves history. Like, so he talks about what's so beautiful is he talks about high school and he talks about college and he talks about his dreams and where he wants to go. And, and I'm like, man, anything's possible, Jack, you know, all of this and more. I mean, it's Absolutely. just such a beautiful thing. I also want to say too, that you, uh, you know, as a parent decided to learn more. And so you um, studied to become a board certified behavior technician, something that we, we tell parents is available to them all the time and something that is really worthwhile. Do you, did you find that that helped you as a parent and as a teacher? Absolutely. I felt like it definitely helped me understand what, you know, more about autism and how the brain works. Um, and, and it just helped me understand their goals and what they were looking to do. It just gave me more of a rounded view, I guess. Yeah. There and I go. loved it. I loved working with the kids. I loved working with the, you know, the moms and having conversations. It was just, it really brought me full circle in my whole teaching um, career. I understand completely. That's wonderful. Uh, so Nicole, the book is called A Life Suspended uh, by Nicole Donovan. The subtitle is A Mother and Son's Story of Autism, Extinction Bursts, and Living a Resilient Life. It is available on Amazon. And what was the other place that you told us we could get it? Uh, Ingram Sparks or Ingram, Ingram Sparks. Sparks. Spark. Okay, and, and that is available now. So we encourage you guys to reach out and, and get the book. Uh, I know you'll find yourself in the pages. I certainly did. Nicole, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. All right, you take care. You too. Bye-bye. I uh, want to answer a question that somebody has written in. Is this in the USA? I'm in Canada. Is there a Canada affiliate, please? Uh, just letting you know that we are based in the United States, this show. We are um, out of Los Angeles, uh, but of course we, you know, have guests from all over the place, including all over the world. We are um, a part of uh, the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. Um, they are the ones who underwrite our ability to do this show. That's where my child was treated. Um, so I'm their biggest fan that they've ever had. Um, and they have um, offices all over the United States and they have affiliates in um, South Africa. Oh, I don't, I'm, I'm bad. I don't know where else, but I know in South Africa. Um, there are no affiliates for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders in Canada at this time. But just yesterday on the show, uh, Dr. Doreen Grampiche was talking about services in Canada. Um, and uh, I know that it's, from what I've heard from viewers who have written in, it's a very difficult um, thing because there are waiting lists and the funding seems to match, you know, so you, you have a period of time that you, you know, you can get the funding for early intervention, but you get on the waiting list and the entire window of time that you would have funding, you're on the waiting list. So that is of grave concern to all of us. I would say to any parent watching um, that if you have a young child on the autism spectrum, speaking or non-speaking, right? I, I can make the case for both of them. But if your child is under the age of five, 
Um, and so you really haven't, you might be doing preschool, but you haven't started that regular sort of mandated school because they don't have to go to school till they're six. It is the prime time in which to get your child as caught up as they can possibly be caught up. And that means early intensive behavioral intervention. If the best solution is to get a, a good quality ABA provider to either that has a center where you bring the child or they come into your home or they do a hybrid of both. A lot of places are doing a hybrid right now because of COVID uh, and some places are just doing telehealth because of COVID. So it is considered essential uh, therapy. It's medically necessary. So they, they do get to stay open right now during COVID, but it is important and it's important to give the right prescription. I talk about this all the time on the show and, and I can't, um, I won't shut up about it. Uh, I've said before, they'll be closing the casket on me and I'm gonna be like one more thing about the importance of early <laughs> intervention. Um, and, and that is frequency. Um, the studies that were done early that started this avalanche and, and started the avalanche of studies that meant that uh, insurance here in the United States had to cover it. And the reason why in Canada they're, they're covering it for the years that they are is because we know that if kiddos get, as Dr. Grampy-Shea says, and she was part of the original study, it's every waking hour. But um, what they did was 40 hours of structured therapy a week um, with very little kids, age three, 40 hours a week of structured therapy. And then the parents would take over with what the therapists were doing the rest of the hours. So it really is every waking hour. But if you can, you should fight for a 40 hour program of structured and then do everything you can. Those, that's the, the best equation. Now, there've been many studies that have shown, well, for some kiddos, you can do it in 30. And I guess they've been able to do it in 25 with some kiddos, but that is the range, 25 to 40 hours for kiddos between the ages of three and until they go to school. That is what's been shown to be the most effective to get the best result, whether your child is speaking, non-speaking. I am so sick and tired of hearing people um, that have told, because, and it's not the parents that I'm mad at because you can't control what people tell you, but I, I, want, I want to find these people and say to them, stop it, stop it, who are saying to parents, your child is so high functioning, they don't need the 40 hours. That is bull. Um, there's no study that showed that a kiddo who, who had some skills and was high functioning couldn't benefit from a 40 hour program. In fact, those kids just finish earlier. Uh, but I've seen what happens when you take a kid who has skills and you don't give them the full prescription. It's not good. Full prescription. If the child is speaking and has all those skills, great. Make them give you the full prescription. 40 hours. Don't settle for anything less. And then there's the other side of it where they'll, a parent will say to me, oh, well, my child who's nonverbal, they were telling me I shouldn't bother doing 40 hours. It'll be too taxing for them. And they, they're just not functioning enough for this to be beneficial. And that is bull. That child needs that intensive. If we have any hope of catching them up, that child needs 40 hours. Hey, my kid was one of those kids and now he is upstairs at his college prep uh, high school doing distance learning and filling out college applications. Please don't tell me that those kids can't benefit from a 40 hour program because I like literally will spit nails. Um, so intensive. Now, what happens when you don't have it? What happens when you're on a waiting list and you're in Canada and you can't get it? Well, then we got to go to the next best thing, which, uh, and so there's like, you know, the best, uh, it's good, better, best, right? So if you don't, if you can't get the best, you got to find a way to do it yourself. And many families have. Um, before we had insurance here in the United States, there were many families who saw what was happening with kids who was there every waking hour. And so what they would do is they would get a supervisor. Um, they would maximize their funds because who, who can afford this, right? No one. Oprah can't afford this, right? And if Oprah can't afford it, then we can't be expected to. So they would maximize their funds. They would get someone to work with them, either long distance, um, you know, hopefully a BCBA. Um, and then they would do some online learning themselves, get their team trained, and they would go in and... and I've seen sororities that adopted a kiddo and all the sorority sisters learned how to do ABA. You don't have to go and teach them themselves. We talk about IBT all the time, Institute for Behavioral Training. It's ibehavioraltraining.com. 
um, that uh, the training to become a registered behavior technician or a board certified autism technician, it's about a 40 hour online class. Then there's more you have to do, but you could start family members. I've seen people do it with a church group. I've seen, um, you know, a Lions Club where they adopted a kiddo and everybody, all the husbands and wives involved in the Lions Club learned how to do therapy with the kiddo. And I've seen kiddos um, be able to fly, but you got to do the hours. Um, you know, it's one of those things you got to circle your wagons and go, who can help us to do this? If you want the curriculum that CARD has, it's all available online. Um, there's a service called Skills. Um, you, can, you can go to that. I don't have the phone number up here, but there's a phone number you can call. And if you say my name, they'll give you 10% off. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. But um, I'm telling, I'm just saying to you, parent to parent, find your way. I have seen parents be able to work this out regardless of, even if they were in a place, it's harder if you're in a place that doesn't have internet, it's harder. Um, but I've seen people work it out. So there is a way, and it's not the rest of your life. It might be two years that you devote to this, and it's just like getting an Olympic athlete ready for the Olympics. And you say, for the next two years, this is what we're going to do. And it starts with me. I'm going to learn this first, and I'm going to give you the phone number you would call. 877-975-4559. So that's 877-975-4559. That number is for both Institute for Behavioral Training and for Skills. Call them up and tell them Shannon sent you and that you would desperately love to get the training to, to be a board certified autism technician. Normally that would cost you around $440 to get access to the videos. Tell them that I sent you, tell them you really, really need it. And it's possible they'll, they'll give you a giant discount or I, they have been giving it in COVID to some families for free. So impress upon them that you need it. Um, it says right here, we will continue our RBT 2.0 training free for parent audience on a case-by-case -case basis. So there, you know, call this number, 877-975-4559. They are the same people now who do skills. That's the curriculum where you could take the assessment to say where your child is. Uh, okay, so we've got a couple of questions here. I was going to go through a whole distance learning thing, but we don't have time because I went off. But I... I want you to know it's doable, um, but if you are waiting for someone to save you, you can't. You, you gotta jump in and say, I'm the person. Now you can always email me and I will help you. S.Penrod at autism-live.com. I will you know, make phone calls and call people and help to find you as much information as I can. But it, this is that thing that we were just talking about with our guests about like all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, I'm in charge here. I have to figure it out. It's, but it is, that is the case. And as soon as you press that transition and go, oh, oh, I'm in charge. I'm going to do it. You'll find that stuff starts to happen. Uh, what are my thoughts about CBD oil for children on the spectrum? Um, I don't have thoughts about that. I'm going to be really, really honest. Um, I really appreciated when we did an episode of Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy about CBD. Um, after Time Magazine came out with a really comprehensive article about what CBD was and what it wasn't. I can tell you that I am a person who is so phobic about everything, but in particular, um, I, anything having to do with cannabis. I, you know, And I'm just going to be honest, and that stems from the fact that when I was in college uh, and thought that I was experimenting just you know, with pot, somebody gave me angel dust. I can't be around, like I literally go into phobic uh, meltdown. So for me, it's a whole other conversation. And I try to just be as honest as I can be. Do I, have I talked to lots of parents who have done their research and responsibly are using CBD oil for their children on the spectrum and report that it helps with seizures? Absolutely. And with the right um, products, that don't have a hallucinogenic um, response in our children. You know, I, like I said, I read the Time article and it really opened my eyes a lot. 
Um, but I do think it's up to every parent to be really responsible, be talking with a healthcare provider who's open to having that discussion with you, which is all often a really hard thing to find. But I rec highly recommend looking at the MedMaps doctors to have a conversation with them. I think that every, each and every one of us is our own ecosystem and everything that you put into your ecosystem has an effect. So if you drink no water, it has effect. If you drink too much water, it has effect. If you drink enough water, it has an effect, right? Water, which has no calories, right? So I think that everything you put into the system has an effect. And um, so, you know, something, something to consider. But other than that, I, I really don't have an opinion. Um, and someone is asking, is this for children only for, or for adults too? This program is for everyone. This program is about autism from a 360 degree perspective. Um, sometimes we talk about adult issues, sometimes we talk about little kid issues, but if you're asking about the early intensive behavioral intervention, what I was talking about, that three to five, which really is now two to six, um, that is for that age. Now, ABA still works for adults, it just works in a different way and you do it in a different way. If someone is three and they are, let's say that you, you have a three-year-old who's diagnosed with autism and they say that your child is, has the functioning ability of an 18-month-old. That's what I was told when my child was diagnosed, that he had the functioning ability of an 18-month-old. So now, you know, he's, he's got almost two years here that he's got he's to catch up. Now, two years is a lot to get caught up, but it's infinitely doable. And we were able to get him almost entirely caught up on the things that he should have known um, by the time he was five. Not entirely, but almost caught up by the time he was five. Um, and then he was having to learn the things that a five-year-old would have to learn, right? With help and support. But imagine if you are a 14-year-old and, and somebody says that you have the functional understanding of a four-year-old. Well, now we're 10 years behind and we are not gonna get caught up on all of those things um, not in any speed, right? So we have to pick and choose what's most important to get caught up on first. And almost always we are gonna prioritize functional communication and we're gonna prioritize things that are, go directly towards safety and mental health and well-being. Um, and we're gonna worry about those much more than we're gonna worry about all the other things that we might have, have taught that individual. Um, but ABA is the most effective teaching tool that there is, not just for autism across the board. When, when corporations need to teach something to a wide group of people, um, they have a, an ABA person come in and talk about this is how we will teach this because it's the most effective. Um, ABA was not invented for autism, it just happens to be wildly effective for autism. And that's been demonstrated across many, many studies with people of many, many, many different uh, ages. So um, yes. So um, that, uh, oh, and they said, thank you so much. Wish this was around 35 years ago. Well, I, I will tell you that when my son was diagnosed, what, six, 15 and a half, almost 16 years ago, I, I needed this. I needed this exactly, um, and it didn't exist. And so when it was my turn and I made a deal, I was on the floor praying and saying, God, please don't let me let my child down. Please don't let that be my story. Please help me to figure out how to help him. And when I do, and when you help me to do that, I promise I will turn around and I will help whoever else I can. But there are a lot of us now. I'm not the only show. There are many other resources. There's many other people out here in this space trying to pay it forward. And, um, you know, my thing is always that I say to you guys, help yourself first. Uh, you got to get the oxygen mask on yourself. You got to be figuring out how you can help your child, but you got to help yourself. And then, you know, later on when you're good and your child is good, then you can figure out how do you run the bake sale that raises the money for somebody else or whatever it is that you decide to do. And thank you. Somebody said CBD oil has no THC. Although I have run into some products now that are labeled as um, CBD oil, but that sometimes are including that element in it, 
I think that that is for mainly for people who are going through like chemotherapy, but I, that's why I was saying parents have to really do their research. You've got to be up on it and know, because I was under that understanding too, but they are putting it in some of it now. So um, anyway, um, I don't, somebody said I didn't read it openly. Uh, anyway, uh, we are out of time. I'm telling you that tomorrow we are, it's the last Friday that we're going to be doing a recorded, but we're doing an oldie but a goodie on Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Um, and then I believe, I, and in fact, we might be starting the Temple Grandin Marathon tomorrow. I don't know because I got to meet with Traven to talk about it. But uh, I'm almost positive that on Monday we will have the Temple Grandin Marathon going because we usually do that over a three day weekend. And then um, we will have Temple Grandin uh, again recorded on Tuesday. So we'll be back here on Wednesday and we will be here with Evelyn Kung. She will be answering your questions in real time. Should be a fabulous fabulous week. And we will be back with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy next week live a week from tomorrow. And we've got some amazing things coming up in September, not the least of which is having Temple Grandin on on the 15th live. She's excited to talk to you guys. It's been a while. It's been over a month since we've had her on. So uh, I need questions now because I, I moderate that and I, you know, so I take questions and if everybody's asking questions about bedtime, you know, I might put two or three questions together. So if you have questions for Temple Grand and now is a good time to send them in to me, um, you can always write to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. It is a privilege to be here with you guys on a daily basis. Thank you for everything that you are and everything that you're doing. I will see you next week. I hope you have a good three-day three weekend. Uh, until then, give your kiddos a hug from me no matter what age they are and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>